Welcome to Ascend Global Church and uh, welcome those who are watching online to a, a message I'm going to bring today, which I'm sure will be very helpful for so many of you. I want to speak today on overcoming injustice, overcoming injustice. Last year I did one called uh, Overcoming the Spirit of Injustice and I focused primarily on the uh, message of Jephthah and uh, focus more on the process of how you deal with personal injustice. But this time I want to do it a little differently and I'm going to look at uh, another different aspect of it. So uh, let's just get started on our study. So the first thing is that injustice is just widespread in the earth. The news, you turn on the news, it's just full of injustice. And, and you look at it and you see over and over and over, we find situations we experience which uh, causes us Christians particularly to feel disturbed by the injustice of it. You think of the new, uh, uh, the new abortion laws that were introduced into New Zealand around about the time of COVID and uh, late-term abortion being allowed. You think of the situation of uh, the transgender uh, people uh, participating in women's sports and the stress that creates and the injustice around it to women. Uh, the current um, law that's being proposed, the conversion therapy law, which uh, will make it illegal for parents to be able to give direction and guidance to their children who are struggling with internal feelings regarding gender or regarding their sexuality. And will also penalize uh, those who try to help people uh, uh, who are wanting to make a change to come out of that. So, I mean, these are things that cause a stir in the heart. These are, this is injustice. Uh, you look at what's been happening in Afghanistan and the way the exit was managed and you can't help but be stirred with a great sense of feeling of injustice over how people that have been uh, helpful over such a long period of time were abandoned uh, at the very time they needed help. Uh, you think then uh, if you look around through the world and look at the uh, many nations where Christians are being murdered, uh, persecuted, murdered, put to death in terrible ways uh, and treated as minorities and oppressed, uh, if you haven't got any of that information, well, I tell you, it's out on the on the media for you to find it. Uh, you have a look then, uh, perhaps, at the way COVID has been used as an opportunity of people to remove personal rights and to limit freedom so extensively, perhaps more than is necessary. Th these are all causes uh, of, uh, of feelings of injustice. And then there's all the personal things that we may face in life. But the media is full of it. It's interesting that uh, injustice and, and a distortion or loss of truth seem to go hand in hand. Uh, it's described in Isaiah 59:14 like this, justice is turned back, righteousness stands far off, for truth is fallen in the street. So once truth is distorted or truth is removed and lies are believed or promoted, then justice is turned back. It's like it can't enter and righteousness stands afar off and equity cannot enter. That, that is what is true and what is right. So that's the uh, a scripture out of Isaiah describing the conditions prior to the uh, fall uh, of the uh, people of Israel and their going into slavery. So let's just look at injustice then, just after that preamble. And first of all, what, what do we mean when we talk injustice? We, well, what we were talking about, we're meaning a violation of our personal rights. We're talking about unfair treatment. You know, if someone's been treated unjustly, they say, that's not fair. It's not fair. Um, but it's, it's where there's a lack of uh, true justice. And it could be from government or people in authority making and administrating law. The way they administer it creates an injustice that was never intended when the original law was made. It can be injustice that we experience because we're experiencing generational curses and iniquity that have been in our family. We're struggling with precious sins, problems, with disasters or difficulties in our life. And we didn't start, this didn't start with us. It started in our family background and now it's uh, continued and we're reaping the, uh, the actions of what other people did. It's an, there's an injustice in that. In fact, many people who treat others unjustly have themselves experienced great injustice. It could be just personal experiences where we've been mistreated, uh, where there's been a trauma. Trauma experience is a great injustice. It's not right, it's not fair, yet it's happened and it's left an impact. Experiences where we suffer grief or loss, uh, again, as the feeling always goes with it, this is not fair, this is unjust, this is came when I never expected it, and so on. So when we look through the Bible, it's very clear. The Bible tells us that injustice entered the earth with the fallen man and the loss of his role and authority and dominion 
that God had entrusted to him. So when Adam and Eve originally entrusted with a mandate to rule the earth, to cultivate the earth, to protect the earth, to extend the kingdom of God into the earth, when they betrayed God's entrustment to them, that uh, was an injustice against God. It was an unfair treatment of God. It was also had consequences that have carried on and affected us. So in a way, we're all experiencing one of the gravest injustices in history when Adam sinned against God and gave up the authority and dominion and then opened the way so that all the world lies under the power of an invisible spirit world full of dark spirits that influence people consistently towards evil. And so behind the natural things we see, there's usually spiritual forces at work. And of course, this is an injustice. We didn't cause it to happen, yet we're suffering the experiences of it. So demonic spirits behind injustices have a tendency to uh, increase anger and increase bitterness and create cycles of pain and failure in our life. And this increases the sense of injustice in our life. So it's very easy to come under the influence of a spirit of injustice and for it to then permeate the way you do life and relationships. Once you're under the influence of that spirit, you start to be drawn to and feed on the injustices that others have gone through. It's like you're magnetically drawn to injustice because it stirs up the message in your own heart, I've been treated wrongly and I'm in pain because of it. Won't someone do something right? And uh, so when people experience injustice, how do they react? How do people react? Well, a whole number of ways. Of course, the most common way is, well, why me? How come this has happened to me? What did I do to deserve this? So that's one way people react. They kind of question what's happened. Uh, secondly, they blame God. Why did God allow this to happen to me? And so a lack of understanding of theology and the uh, fact that God has entrusted responsibility to man, we tend to then blame him for the problems that man have caused. Uh, sometimes people blame themselves. What's wrong with me? You know, I, I must deserve this have these things happening all the time. Sometimes and very frequently, people blame others. That's one of the most common ways that people uh, try to uh, cope with injustice. They look for someone to blame for the suffering that they're enduring. And uh, of course, when they do that, when you blame others, then you tend to become filled with bitterness and filled with resentment and hatred. And of course, you remain in a powerless state. And uh, uh, one of the troubles we have we face today is that uh, much of the culture and particularly through the media it perpetuates and promotes what's called a victim mentality or a victim identity and uh, what that means is that uh, people begin to see themselves as a victim begin to think that I am powerless I'm not responsible for my condition. I'm not responsible for why it happened. I'm not responsible for getting out of it. I need someone to blame, the bad guy to blame for my condition. I need someone to rescue me, the good guy to save me out of it, but I'm never going to take responsibility. So identity politics, identifying a group or people as being oppressed is uh, evil. It's a part uh, of what seems to be promoted through media, and yet it's totally contrary to the Word of God, which calls every person to be responsible for their situation and the choices they make. God is willing to empower us to break out of injustice and become successful. So, of course, when we look at Jesus, we see that, um, the, that Jesus lived in a culture full of injustice. I don't know whether you've thought about that, but um, the culture of Jesus' day was totally filled with injustice. Uh, Herod the Great, who was the great uh, architect and builder, who built the temple and so many other things, uh, he had died. And now his son, uh, Herod Antipas, had taken over, and he was quite an evil person. This is the person that had John the Baptist put to death. Um, but in the, in, in the day that, uh, that Jesus uh, uh, lived on the earth, on the face of the earth, uh, there was a small body of elite uh, who were wealthy and they ruled over and oppressed the majority of the people. So in the days that Jesus walked in the earth, there was great oppression over the people of Israel. They were under and subject to the Roman government and the Roman government was re represented by Herod Antipas and his rulership was incredibly cruel. His, his whole, uh, the culture was characterized by abuse and oppression, injustice. And if you disagreed or reacted or tried to get justice, then you would be punished severely. 
and, uh, and you would suffer cruel injustice. So prior to Jesus coming, there'd be many insurrections because people were burdened by the tremendous injustice and tried to fight their way out of it. So when Jesus came, one of the things that caused Jesus to be uh, such a threat to the political leaders and such a threat to the uh, religious leaders was he stood for justice. He stood for what was right and uh, he came and stood against injustice everywhere, religious injustice, the way the laws were uh, applied to oppress people. And so he confronted religious system for its inconsistencies and its hypocrisy, and uh, he ministered to the needs of people. But primarily, he came not to change the country socially or governmentally, which is what people thought he would do. He came to deal with the root cause of injustice, which is sin, iniquity, and with it, demonic oppression. So when we're dealing with injustice, you have to be aware that however the form the injustice may take, that always behind it and, and empowering it and driving it, there is sin, there is iniquity, and there are demonic spirits using that to facilitate oppressing people. So Jesus came then to address the greatest uh, source uh, of injustice, which was sin, which uh, every person is born into this world in sin. Let me just read to you a verse related to it. And uh, it said, uh, Jesus, in Matthew 12 and verse 15 through to 21, when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there and great multitudes followed him and he healed them all. So sickness is an injustice. Jesus came to deal with sickness. He healed people. He provided a remedy for it, not sympathized with how bad they were. Uh, he also delivered people of evil spirits. He didn't sympathize with them over their injustice. He dealt with the spirits in a very powerful way. And then he warned the people, he said, not to make them known that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, now Isaiah lived hundreds of years prior, and Isaiah prophesies of Jesus, Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved, and whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit on him. So he's saying that Jesus or is the servant of God has come into the earth, will come into the earth. And he said, he will be anointed. I'll put my spirit on him. And notice what he do. He will declare justice to the Gentiles. So the ministry of Jesus was a ministry to bring justice. So what was that ministry? He proclaimed the gospel, how people could be free of sin. He healed the brokenhearted and he set people free, opened the blind eyes and so on. He said, he will not quarrel or cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and smoking flax he will not quench, till he sends forth justice to victory, and in his name the Gentiles will trust. So notice what he's desirous prophesying using the current situation of oppression and difficulty in the nation to point that there would be a day coming when God would send his son Jesus Christ Jesus would be anointed with the Spirit, and the ministry of Jesus would be to bring justice, not just to the Jewish people, but he would bring justice to the whole of the earth. So when we see sickness, that's an injustice. When we see demonic oppression, suicide, all these kind of things that people are caught up in, this is oppression, this is injustice. Jesus came to deal with the root of it. And it says, he will not, uh, he will not stop until he sends forth justice to victory. In other words, Jesus is committed to the cause of justice being established in the earth. And we're going to see a little more about that soon. Okay, I want to get on to the next major point here is that one of the things that Jesus taught about in relationship to the issue of justice was the need for persevering prayer. And this is what I want to focus on for the rest of the study. The need for persevering prayer. Now here's the story in Luke 18, verse 1 through to verse 8. Then Jesus spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray and not to lose heart, saying, so Jesus is giving them, first of all, there's three parts to this, and we're going to touch that in a moment. He's giving them an instruction. You need to pray and you need to make sure you don't quit. And he said, and now he tells a story, there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came to him, and she said, Get justice from me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. 
Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. Shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man come, will he find, really find, faith on the earth? Now, Jesus has been talking about his coming death and resurrection. He's been uh, coming towards the end of his ministry, and uh, he has taught about the kingdom of God, and now he begins to share this teaching. And uh, if we look, there are three parts in the teaching, three distinct parts in that teaching. I encourage you, when you look in the passage, look for the way it's broken up. Here's the first part, and that is in verse 1, Jesus' instruction to the disciples. Here's the instruction. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. What is he saying here? Well, he's saying really it's the most common thing with prayer is people get discouraged because they don't get a quick answer. They prayed, prayed, there was no answer, no reply, and so they get disheartened. And uh, there are many reasons why prayers get delayed, uh, lots of different reasons. Uh, one of them can be God has something bigger in mind and the answer is coming but not yet. Uh, sometimes it's because uh, there is demonic resistance. Like, for example, in Daniel chapter 10, verse uh, 12 to 13, Daniel fasted and prayed, and the Bible says, on the very day that he prayed, his voice was raised to God, the answer was released. But in the spirit realm, there was a conflict, there was a warfare to hinder the answer being manifest in the physical world. And he, he didn't quit after day one or day two or day five or day 10 or day 15. He kept praying. And because he kept praying and fasting and holding that God would honor his word, that God, who's the just judge of the earth, would honor the word he prophesied, it, it activated a warfare in the heavenlies. There were angels released. And then finally, after 21 days, the answer manifested. In other words, he saw a promise of God that concerned the nation in bondage, that after 70 years, God would release the nation. And he interceded in prayer and fasted until God's word then was manifested and he had a result declared in the earth that God was now going to bring about a, 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 a deliverance of the nation from its enemies. So, so there's one example of why things don't happen straight away. So you notice there that we have to base then our prayer on God's character, that he is faithful and his word, what he has promised, and not faint. That means to become exhausted, to quit, to give up, or to just lose heart. So think about your prayer life. How many times did you start off praying for something and then lost heart? That's called fainting in prayer. It's giving up because you didn't get what you were asking for within the time frame you were expecting it. Sometimes we just have to persevere in prayer, which is the whole point of this, uh, this teaching. So the first thing then is Jesus is saying, giving a clear instruction, men ought, this is, your, this is what you need to do, this is required, continue in prayer and don't quit and give up. Secondly, what is the issue that he's using to illustrate this? Now, it's an interesting one. The, the, the issue that he's talking about, the need to pray and to not give up in praying uh, and to pray for a breakthrough, is used as a story about a woman who has suffered injustice. So the theme behind this is one of addressing and dealing with injustice by coming to the Lord in prayer. So he uses the story to help understand why it's important to persevere, especially when it comes to injustices. They can be over money, they can be in family, they can be in work, they can be in all kinds of situations. So in the story he tells, the woman has suffered great injustice. And she's now appealing to a legal authority, a judge, and she's wanting justice. So there's the story. It's a widow. Notice that she, her prayer, uh, avenge me. He's saying, avenge me of my adversary. So the word avenge means to vindicate. It means give legal protection to me or protect and defend me from injustice that's been brought against me. So this is her prayer. She's crying out to the, the judge because she's powerless in the situation, that the judge will give a decree that will end up protecting her. That's what that's about. She's not seeking revenge. It seems like it, avenge me, seems like she wants revenge, but that's not what it's meaning. The word there means to give legal protection to, or to protect or defend someone from an adversary. And that word adversary 
is the word an opponent in a law case. I'll come back to that in a moment. So essentially, she is experienced injustice. She is suffering. Notice there, she's a widow. That means she's someone with no one there to support her, no one there to protect her from injustice and exploitation. It's very common in the Bible for widows to have no man to defend them, no one to stand up for them. They were usually exploited and oppressed and taken advantage of, much like solo parents may be today. So, so when the Bible refers to being a widow, Jesus is trying to paint the picture. This is someone who has no power or someone to support them in overcoming injustice. All they can do is appeal to the judge, appeal to a higher authority. And uh, so she's seeking someone in higher authority to, to, um, to, get, to give her injustice and protect her. Now, what about the adversary? So the adversary, he notices he, taught, he uses the word adversary. That word is antidikos, meaning someone who's against you in law, someone who's a case against you. And uh, that's an interesting word because it's the same word that's used of Satan. For example, in 1 Peter 5 and verse 8 and 9, Peter writes this. He says, be sober, be vigilant for your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in faith, knowing the same afflictions are accomplished on your brethren in the world. Notice there that Peter is teaching that every one of us has an unseen spiritual adversary. And what does he do? That word adversary is someone who's against you in law. It says, your adversary, the devil. So he says, this is the demonic kingdom comes against all believers. How does it come against you? It says, it says he walks about, that word's to circle around, looking for opportunities to bring a case against you so that he can afflict you. So what he's saying there is that every believer is faced with an unseen spiritual adversary. Doesn't matter who you are, what status you stand, anything. It says that that adversary looks for and studies your life, looks for iniquities in your personal life, in your background, in your family line that he can use and demand a right to come against us and bring havoc and destruction and pain upon our lives. So some of you are watching this are experiencing this adversary having gone and looked into your background and see there are legal rights to come against you and torment you and oppress you and create cycles of problems in your life. And he's using the legal rights caused by family members or people in the family background and your own, of course. So it says he uses a, he uses a picture like a court. So an earthly court is a reflection of the heavenly courts. The heavenly court, God is the just judge of all the earth. He sits on the throne. A throne is an elevated place where decrees and rulings and justice is given. And so in the earthly realm, we have a court situation where there's a judge, there's a prosecutor, the adversary, that's the adversary, the one who brings the charges against you, and there's the defendant, the one who then has to turn up and bring an answer. And the answer in this case is to declare guilty and to ask Jesus Christ, our advocate, to speak on our behalf and to render a verdict of innocence. So that's the court situation. So this is why many people get, they struggle with demonic spirits, they struggle with oppression, struggle with all kinds of things, which seem very unjust no matter what they do, they can't seem to get out. But in the realm of the spirit, a legal right has been created. It is being exploited by demonic spirits and it brings more and more injustice upon you, which is why Jesus, of course, went to the cross to break the power of all curses, break the power of sin, break the power of demonic spirits, break the power of all iniquity. Uh, he, he acted as our representative so that blessing could come upon our lives instead of us living in cursing and injustices. So there it is. So that's, a, so, so that's the second thing. So the first thing we see is Jesus saying, you got to pray and not quit. Okay. The second thing he says, here's why. And this widow woman who was oppressed and had no one to help her, she persevered in appealing to the judge uh, to get an answer. And, uh, and uh, so <clears throat> the judge, notice what Jesus said, hear what the judge says. He's an unjust judge, but he said, look, she keeps coming at me. I'm going to give her what she wants. 
And so then Jesus does, the third thing that Jesus does, or the third part of the story, is Jesus gives reference to the end times. He gives reference, let me just show you. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Now that's an unusual thing to say. He's been talking about prayer. He's been talking about the example of the widow that needed justice. And then suddenly it's like he goes off topic. And now he's talking about when the Son of Man comes. In other words, at the second coming of Jesus Christ, will he find faith on the earth? And uh, so it seems strange that he would introduce that uh, into the story. And so there are three things you can gather from this. The first is that before Jesus returns, there will be great injustice in the earth. See, he's saying, will he find this kind of persevering prayer that prevails against injustice and gets answers from heaven? So that implies in the, in the teaching he's giving here that in the end times, just before the coming of the Lord, there will be great injustice all over the earth. Secondly, it implies it will require faith and persevering prayer not to be overcome by injustice. In other words, there'll be such injustices against Christians, against believers, it'll be so widespread in the last days before Jesus' coming that we will need to be people of prayer and faith not to be swallowed up with bitterness and resentment and anger and disappointment. And the third thing that it tells us there is that God will certainly bring justice to his children who cry out to him. Shall he not avenge his elect who cry out day and night? Notice day and night. That's persevering prayer to bring justice into the earth. So Jesus is now teaching a principle, pray and don't quit. Two, he uses a story that you've got to actually persevere in your praying because you have a hidden adversary and you're powerless unless the judge gives a ruling on your behalf. And then thirdly, that persevering prayer leads God. If an ungodly judge will hear the cries, uh, will not our Father who loves his children answer our prayers? So let's just go and look now a little bit more at the area of justice. And uh, I want to just talk a bit more about that. And uh, I want to talk about the importance of injustice, of justice to God, because it's something that people don't really understand about what, what we talk about when we talk about justice. So first of all, what do we mean justice? Uh, when we use the word justice, we mean to render to a person what is due to them, their rights. So justice means it refers to a verdict that's pre-pronounced, a decree. So uh, a justice means that uh, a, a person has a decree from a legal system that, uh, that, that gives them their right or their merit. What they, what they should get, what's the right thing for them to get. Or another way of putting it, that the dictionary describes it like this, uh, a justice is a verdict or judgment or decree that determines what's right and assigns a reward or assigns a punishment. So we're thinking about justice, someone in a higher realm, a higher level of authority made a decision, a verdict and a decree, what was right and what the reward be, what the punishment will be. That's what we understand justice to be. Now, here's a few things about justice. The first thing then is that justice is the foundation of God's throne or God's governance over all of creation. Psalm 89, 14, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. So the throne of God is the seat of rule. It's his authority. It's where he makes decrees over creation. And the foundation, what his throne is built on, is righteousness and justice. In other words, everything that God does will be righteous. Everything God does will be just. He is the executor of justice. He's the, the, the just judge of all the earth. So on the earth, authorities on the earth are meant to reflect those same qualities, what is right and what is just. Secondly, God's governance, when God's kingdom is in operation, when God is in charge and ruling, then he always executes judge justice. Now you can see a glimpse of this if you look and study the story of King Solomon. In the days of King Solomon, the kingdom of God is now uh, established in the earth. Uh, it's, we get a, a, a picture or a prophetic picture of the future of what it'll be like all over the earth when, God's, when Jesus comes again and his kingdom is established on the earth. I encourage you to look at Solomon's reign and look at how the nation of Israel prospered and all the things that the blessings that came to it 
under Solomon's reign when the kingdom of God was manifesting in that nation. It is just the most startling thing to see. It became the center of all the nations of the earth and uh, kings from every nation came to the wisdom of Solomon and the majesty and, and, and saw the riches and glory of the kingdom. So it's, it's like a mini prophetic picture of a coming day, it's not yet come, when God's kingdom will come in power and glory and fill the whole earth. And notice this is what it says about Solomon. And this is prophetic of Jesus when he comes to rule the earth. 1 Kings 10, 9. Blessed be the Lord God who delighted in you, setting you on the throne of Israel because the Lord has loved Israel forever. Therefore, he made you king to do justice and righteousness. Notice there it is. Justice and righteousness, the foundations of God's throne. The king has to execute justice and righteousness. And here's the thing is God was greatly pleased with Solomon. Why? Here's why he was pleased, because Solomon's origins are, come out of a whole tragedy in David's life. But here's why God was pleased with him, that when God came to him and said, Solomon, ask whatever you'd like, and I'll give it to you. This is what he asked. I want understanding and wisdom so I can administer justice. How about that? So his cry was the wisdom needed, the anointing needed, the wisdom of God, so he could make decisions that would be just and right. And it says, God was greatly pleased with his reply. And he said, because you've asked this, I'll give you all these things you haven't asked for as well. So, but this is all a glimpse into the future of the millennial kingdom of Christ. So the next thing is God loves justice. And whether you realize this, if you want to walk with God, find what he loves and love it. And if you want to walk with God, find what he hates and hate it. How about that? So in Psalm 33, 5, he loves righteousness and justice. How about that? He loves what is right and he loves what is just. Psalm 37, 28, for the Lord loves justice. How about that? Hebrews 1 and verse 8, it talks about the anointing on Jesus being so great and it all has to do with righteousness. Uh, Hebrews 1, 8, your throne, O God, is forever. It's eternal. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness or injustice. Therefore, God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. There's a lot we could say about that, but if I just summarize it like this, that it identifies that the great portion of a joy and the anointing that was on Jesus came and rested upon a heart that loved what was right and hated what was unjust. How about that? So we want an increase of God's anointing. Grow your love for what's right and your hatred for what's unjust and wrong. The next thing we see is that God actually hates injustice. It distresses him. In Isaiah 59, 14 and 15, he's talking about the condition of Israel just before it went into captivity and bondage. And it said, justice is turned back. Righteousness is standing afar off because truth has fallen in the street and equity cannot enter. So truth fails. He who departs from evil or tries to do what is right then gets victimized and the Lord saw it and it displeased him. There was no justice. Notice it said God was greatly displeased by lack of justice. That means there was great pain and there was great heartbreak for God to see injustice causes great displeasure, causes heartbreak and sorrow for him. You know, there's something in every one of us that reacts to injustice, and that's because we're made in the image of God. We have the sense inside about what's fair and what's right, and it ought to happen, and we get stirred, just like God gets stirred. In the Old Testament, if you care to study it a little, you'll find that whenever the people of God turned away to false gods, then uh, they came into bondage to demonic powers. It said God raised up judges, and the judges delivered Israel. How about that? So the role of a judge was not just to return people back to the law and what is right and just, but also, as a result of that, deliver them from demonic oppression. So deliverance from demonic oppression is a legal issue, and it has to do with justice and the issues of law. How about that? And the last thing related to that then is yeah, when God uh, spoke uh, to Moses about appointing leaders, uh, that didn't matter what level of leadership you had. He had certain requirements of leaders. Here's what he required. Deuteronomy 16, 18, you shall appoint judges and officers in all your gates, which the Lord your God gives you according to your tribes. They shall judge the people with just judgment. You shall not pervert justice. 
You shall not show partiality, nor take a bribe, for a bind, a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and twists the word of the righteous. You'll follow together what is just, that you may live and inherit the land your Lord is giving you. Notice God's requirement for all in leadership, whether it's leadership in church, leadership in family, leadership in the nation, leadership in business, he requires justice. How about that? Notice his requirements then, exercise just judgment. Listen carefully with an open heart so you get the facts and make good decisions. The most common reason people make bad decisions is they don't listen. They make premature judgment. He said, don't show partiality. In other words, don't treat one person differently to another uh, based on social standing, wealth, uh, friendship, race, color, whether they're male or female. He said we're to treat people impartially because that's how God operates in justice. And we're not to pervert judgment or twist judgment because we hope to gain something. So you can see these are requirements that God had. And uh, so as we come towards the end of the study, I want to raise now the, the, the point that we brought out in that study was this. We brought out that Jesus suddenly connects prayer, the injustice and the oppression of the oppressor and the woman's of persistent prayer. He suddenly relates it to the end times. I want to share you a few things to relate it to the end times. So many times the Bible indicates that in the last days there'll be a great increase of sin, iniquity and injustice before the return of Christ. In other words, the world won't get to be a better place. There'll be injustice will increase, problems will increase, there'll be difficulties increase. And a lot of those things lead people to a place where they're in fear, insecurity, they want to uh, have safety, and so then they give up their freedoms and uh, ask government to then take over responsibility for their safety. Anyway, we won't get distracted. So I want to just show you just three, maybe three or three places in, in the Bible where this, where this is very clear. Here's number one, is in Daniel, Revelation of the End Times. Daniel, Daniel 7, 21 and 22. Notice this is what he was saying. Daniel has had a revelation in Daniel 2 of successive kingdoms that would come and then of a kingdom that was formed without hands, the kingdom of God that would destroy all other kingdoms and would establish itself through every part of the earth. Then in Daniel 7, he gets uh, another vision and it brings forth the same things, does it a little bit differently. In Daniel 7.21, he said, I was watching and the same horn, that, uh, that's uh, authority, was making war against the saints and prevailing against them. How about that? So now he's getting a vision of the future before the coming of Christ, before the establishing of the kingdom of God on earth. And he says he saw an authority that was making war, was hostile to, was contrary to, was against the saints, against Christian believers, followers of Christ, and prevailing against them. So he's saying that in the end times, there'll be massive uh, opposition and persecution and difficulties come to those who are following Christ. And he says the enemy will be prevailing over them. That means injustice will be increasing. And this causes distress for Christians because if they're expecting there to be some great revival, if they're expecting God to sort of answer everything, there may be a bit of a shock when they start to see that persecution starts to increase across the earth. He said, until the Ancient of Days came, and a judgment, that's a court situation, was made in favor of the saints of the Most High, and the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. So he's saying that prior to Christ's coming, prior to his kingdom being established and justice being established, there will be a period and season of injustice, persecution, and unrust treatment. So he says it happens until God makes a decree and a judgment from his throne in favor of the saints. In other words, gives a verdict to protect them and then the whole global situation is changed because of the visitation of God. It's also uh, repeated in Daniel 7.25. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High. So he's talking about the Antichrist coming. And he said, he shall persecute the saints of the Most High and intend to change times and law. And the saints will be given into his hand for a time and times and a half a time. In other words, he's saying there's a three and a half year period yet to come when the Antichrist will arise and there will be persecution, oppression of the saints. 
And he says, then that'll be followed. Then the kingdom, the dominion, and the greatness of the kingdoms under the heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. All dominions shall serve and obey him. So I won't, I can't give you all that this means, but very simply, Jesus will return and reign over all of the earth. He will establish his kingdom, his rule. In Zechariah 49, it says, and the Lord shall be king over all the earth. How about that? Now, this is a time when God will establish justice in the earth. Jeremiah 23, 5, the days are coming that I will raise to, uh, to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgments and righteousness in the earth. How about that? In Isaiah 42, 4, Jesus will not fail nor be discouraged by the problems in the earth till he has established justice in the earth and all the coastlands shall wait for his law. So how about that? So in these prophecies of the end times, it indicates a great season of injustice, a great season of problems for believers, and then that's followed by a decree being given in heaven, obviously preceded by prayer. The church, because of the difficulties, starts to ascend in prayer, and this triggers off the second coming of the Lord and him bringing justice into the earth. And uh, so it's a time when justice will be established in the earth. So, of course, Jesus taught a little on this himself in Matthew 24 and 12. He said, because lawlessness or iniquity or injustice will abound, the love of many will grow cold. So lawlessness means, without law, it means contempt or violation of the law. And he's saying because it will be, in the last days, it'll be greatly multiplied. And he said, because of that, experience of injustice and the seeming lack of intervention of God, many believers will become offended and grow cold spiritually. And you've seen it happen. You've seen when people got disappointed with God. They expected God to do something. He didn't do it the way they wanted, when they wanted. They become offended. They feel a sense of injustice. I've been treated unfairly. And then they react and walk away and their heart grows cold to the Lord. It's a common enough experience. That's why we have to keep our heart free of injustice, keep our heart free of offense. Jesus said, many, many will be offended in that day. Offended because God isn't doing what they expected. In Jesus' day, many expected he would come and establish the kingdom of Israel and overthrow the Romans. They were offended when he didn't. So Jesus has a way of doing his own plan, not our plan. In uh, the book of Revelation, John saw the same thing. And in Revelation 6, 9, he opened the fifth seal and he said, I saw under the altar the souls of those who have been slain for the word of God and the testimony they held. And they cried out with a loud voice saying, How long, O God, O Lord, holy and true, till you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to them and it was said they should rest a little longer till the number of their fellow servants and brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. Now notice John is getting a revelation of things yet to happen. He looks into heaven and he sees people who lost their lives because they followed Christ. They'd be martyred for their faith. And uh, he said he sees them. And notice there, they remembered how they died. They remembered they died. They were put to death on the earth. They still got their memory. And they're crying out to God for justice. God, when will you bring justice into the earth because of what was done to us? And so there again, the prayer is even going on in the heavens for justice, for God to bring justice into the earth. Though he delays, he will bring justice. And uh, there's a delay in God bringing justice. He has a timing when he will do it. And no one knows the day nor the hour that that'll happen. So in the meantime, God clothes them in white robes. What that means is he, he clothes them in clothing of honor that displays the sacrifice they made in their generation or their day. So how about that? And then Jesus taught in prayer, when he comes, will he find faith on the earth? In other words, there will be injustice, there'll be difficulties and challenges, and will people still be in a place of prayer? So how can we respond then? How should we respond to what we've heard? Let me give you a few things that you can do, which are just practical, then we'll finish and pray for you. The first is keep your heart free from anger and bitterness. Keep your heart free from anger and bitterness. Romans 12, 19, Beloved, do not try and avenge yourself or avenge yourselves, but rather give place to anger or wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine and I will repay, says the Lord. So that's what God is saying. Don't, don't let there be, don't give anger a place in your heart. 
And we get angry when we feel we're treated unjustly. He said, don't let justice, injustice get the victory over you and you become angry and stay angry. Rather, we need to deal with it. It's not just what happened to you, it's how you respond. So the first response to injustice is anger and a desire to retaliate or get back or get justice. God wants our heart to be free of that and come to a place of leaning into him and trusting in him. God, only God sees the heart of people. Only he knows why, uh, what people have suffered, why they behave like they behave. We don't really know. And uh, God wants us to leave the justice to him and uh, not become a judge by judging people and forming opinions and then trying to retaliate. So I think one part of that is that guard, your, guard yourself from too much media exposure. Too much media exposure will fuel injustice in your heart. But when injustice happens, the first is you must recognize I'm starting to be angry. I've got anger in my heart. I need to address it quickly. I need to address it today before the sun goes down, the Bible says. Second thing is come boldly to the throne of grace. That is what God says in Ephesians, Hebrews 4, 16. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace for two reasons. One, that we might obtain mercy. That's our failure to deal with our failures. And two, we might find grace to help in time of need. So God calls us to come to the throne boldly to the source of his authority, the place of his authority, where there's righteousness and justice are the foundations of that throne. In other words, when you come to the throne of God, he will do what is right, he will do what is just. So notice there, it tells us, come boldly to that seat of justice and authority and come to him for mercy. If you fail, there's anger in your heart, bitterness in your heart, you're carrying injustice in your heart, that's your failure, that's your stuff. Bring it to him in repentance. Uh, acknowledge the pain, acknowledge the injustice, release it to him, and, uh, and then let go of forgiveness. Uh, we come for help. Uh, we come for mercy for our failure. We also come for help to overcome things. So we, we turn to him in prayer, acknowledging pain, acknowledging injustice, bringing it to the cross, and letting it go, forgiving those who treated us. At the cross, Jesus has provided an answer for us. Number three, we need to persevere in faithful prayer. Notice Jesus said, Keep praying, don't lose heart. So what's he talking about that? What he's talking about is if, if there's an injustice that's being perpetuated against you, you need to come to the Lord with the injustice and cry out to him to deal with it and address it. Perhaps there's a, an iniquity in your life or generational line and that keeps repeating in your life. That's an injustice that's come upon you. Perhaps there's some trauma that's happened to you. That's an injustice that's come upon you. Someone has treated you unbad. It's an injustice that's come upon you. So first thing to do is to recognize, is there any iniquity in your personal life or your family life that gives a landing ground for this injustice? Then bring that iniquity to the cross. Bring it to the blood. Ask God to forgive and cleanse you from that iniquity and then to remove all judgments against you and bring justice to your life. We need justice. We cry out for justice. Our God to release his justice into your life. And you may need to speak against the spirit of injustice. Here's another thing you can do. And all of these are part of walking free of, this, of injustice. Become a voice for justice and truth. Become a voice for justice and truth. In other words, don't hide your light. Speak up on behalf of justice. In Isaiah 117, learn to do good, seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, plead for the widow. So do something. Don't just stand there, do something. Speak up on behalf of justice, behalf of things that need to happen. And uh, you could speak up and get involved in the petition regarding the current conversion therapy law proposal. You could look into the word of God and, discuss, and, and begin to get a biblical perspective on current issues. Uh, you could stand up in support of those who suffer for injustice. Uh, you could go to their aid to help them to get justice, to help them with their situations. You could be involved in ministering to the needs of people. Healing and deliverance are all dealing with the injustices people suffer. The second thing uh, concerning that is overcome evil with good. In other words, uh, in Romans 12, 21, don't be overcome by evil by reacting and doing the same, but rather learn to show kindness and to show uh, generosity and overcome it. People who carry anger and injustice, they do not overcome evil. They continue it on in another form. And then finally become salt and light. Matthew 5.13, you're the salt of the earth. If salt lose its favor, how shall it be seasoned? Good for nothing but to be trampled underfoot. In verse 14, you're the light of the world. A city set on a hill can't be hidden. So salt 
is, uh, it, it influences everything it touches. Essentially, salt is a, it flavors things, makes them nicer to have, and it, it hinders corruption. So essentially saying, as a believer, even if you can't get your way, even if you can't uh, to see God's ways uh, established, what you can do is establish God's way in your own life and be bold in your own witness, in your influence with people. And we can be a restraint for evil, a restraint against evil uh, taking place, against people making bad decisions. Just the presence of Christians there and being vocal can hold back things that would get a lot worse if there was no hindrance to it uh, going forward. And second, we're to be light. The Bible uses the word light to refer to something which exposes sin and darkness is that's what is light. So 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 really whatever is true is light. So again, uh, the, the light uncovers lies and darkness. Be an agent for truth. Stand up for truth. Speak what is true. Live what is true. Refuse to be caught up in lies uh, because when we try to do things with lies, we get bound into demonic powers. So stand up for what is right. Be a good influence. Be a positive influence around. So there you go. There's a, there's a great message for you on injustice, overcoming injustice. And a few questions to think. Here's the first thing. In this study, what did you feel the Holy Ghost speak to you about? Just take note of that. Take note of that. Here's the second thing. What do you need to do? What do you need to do in response to that? Is there an injustice you're still holding on to you need to let go? When will you do that? What, what effect is it having on you if you continue holding on to that injustice? What effect is it having on your relationships? So what injustice do you need to actually face now and overcome and start to become an agent and a champion for justice? God bless you. Once you close your eyes, now I want to just pray for you. Father, right now I just thank you for every person watching today. Holy Spirit, come upon them. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we come now against every generational curse where there's been iniquity in the family line. Father, we bring each instance of that iniquity that is giving legal grounds for oppression by the devil. We bring it to the cross today. We bring it to the blood of Jesus Christ. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask, Lord, that you would cancel the power of that iniquity. You would cleanse that iniquity from their life today. The iniquity of pride, the iniquity of idolatry, the iniquity of sexual sin, the iniquity of sexual perversion, the iniquity of lust and addictions, the iniquity that lies in their life of, uh, of uh, uh, divorce and family breakdown and oppression. Father, we ask right now in Jesus' name, you would cancel that iniquity and cleanse it from their life. We stand now and speak against the spirit of injustice, the spirits that oppress you today in Jesus' name. I command those spirits, come out now. Spirits, I command you to come out now. Spirits of idolatry, witchcraft, oppression, spirits of fear and torment, spirits of addiction, spirits of love. I command you come out now in Jesus' name. Father, we just pray blessing and release over each person that's watching today. Father, I pray the word that was spoken today will find root in their heart and that there be no longer the carrying of injustice, the feeding on injustice, the manifesting and reacting to injustice, but rather they'll become champions for justice. They'll minister the gospel, minister healing, minister deliverance, and bring justice to those who are in need. God bless you.